Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked. I am your host, Louis Falgu. And I am your other host, Stephen Falgu. Welcome back, everyone. Get Wrecked is our podcast where Louis and I, two brothers, every week recommend something to each other, and then the following week discuss those things that we recommended. This week we will be discussing a unplanned themed episode... We have two albums to talk about today, just in time for the Toyota season of giving. Happy Honda days just passed. Lewis, what did you get? Uh, what did uh, Honda Santa bring you this year? Honda San- Santa brought me a brand new Honda. Um, you know, he's just, always doing that. And it's funny. It's not even like any specific car. It's just a Honda. It's just a Honda. And it's like, come on, I I put I specifically put something else on my Christmas list this year, Honda Santa. And he said Vroom vroom vroom, Steven, you only get a Honda. This is a marketing scheme. <laughs> and it's just I'm just so tired of it. And I uh So I wanna I yeah. just wanna let everyone know out there, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry this is gonna sound this is our pagan sensibilities, but we're not going to celebrate Honda Happy Honda Days anymore. This was it. Yeah. I I think that and both of us are a little fed up with Honda Santa. He's been an asshole. All right, I'm just going to say it, an asshole. Now, I wouldn't have said this if Honda had decided to sponsor us between uh, that last episode and this one, but they didn't. So, Honda Santa, you're an asshole. Uh, and I we gave them plenty you. of time. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, everyone. Uh, this episode's a little late. Uh, we try our best to stick to the schedule. And by try our best, I mean, I think we did it one time. Um, so it's probably <laughs> to be expected. But uh, this episode is a little later than normal. Uh, so Honda had plenty of time to come through. But uh, here we are still without a sponsor. Yeah. In fact, the whole reason we went on hiatus is because we were waiting for them to sponsor us, but I guess they didn't take notice. So, you know, we were talking them. to, we were in active conversation with their lawyers and by their lawyers, I mean, we sat in front of a Honda for three weeks until, and we didn't eat anything until they sponsored us, but they said, sorry, we're just a local dealer. We have no, we can't make those decisions. Yeah. And the fucking Honda wouldn't say anything to us. The goddamn jerk. I mean, I was, I, I was, I was, I was begging and pleading the I Honda. I was saying, please, please sponsor us. And the motherfucker just sat there and looked at me like I was an idiot. I don't get it. But anyway, anybody else like, wants I to sponsor thought, us, we won't talk this way about you unless you don't sponsor us. It's just like I thought this holiday was all about getting great deals and low finances. And look at us now; we have neither of those things. Yeah. So anyway. It was a bit of a disappointing Honda days, but that's all right. Next year, it'll be some other corporate rendition of Christmas, but not Honda because we're done. We cut Definitely it off. Not. It's over. Target, Target, we're looking at you. Walmart, you guys. You got a year to think about it. You got a year to think about it. We're giving you plenty of time. Uh, so anyway, um, I think we'll, uh, we'll get going here. You think so? Yeah, let's uh, just jump right in. All right, so Stephen, why don't you go ahead and explain what you recommended to me? So in the last episode, Lewis, I recommended to you the album So 
by Peter Gabriel. This was Peter Gabriel's fifth album after he went solo away from Genesis. Um, 1986, this album had a couple of singles that charted off of this album. Um, Sledgehammer, In Your Eyes, Big Time, probably the uh, most famous of those. Um, but yeah, Lewis, uh, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Give us some of your initial thoughts. Yeah, so... Oh, I just wanted to say, actually, because for whatever reason I found this hilarious. Uh, Wikipedia lists that Michael Glabicki of the American band Rusted Root acknowledges this album as a key influence. <laughs> well, <laughs> as you can see, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> There's no question about it. Um, we would not have... Uh, <laughs> American band Rusted Root. American band Rusted Root. Bring me on my way, or whatever that song's called. So, I, um, I have heard songs from this album. Obviously, um, some ones I, I didn't know from the title that I'd heard them, but like Red Rain, I've heard before. Obviously, I've heard Sledgehammer like I don't know a million times. Um, but just kind of on the radio, it's nothing that I ever really sat down and paid attention to necessarily, so I didn't really have much of an opinion on it. Um, and uh, what else? Big Time I've heard as well. Um, but that's obvious. I mean, this is obviously an 80s pop staple that had, you know, massive success and is still played on any radio station that frequently plays 80s pop. Um, and I also have previous experience with Peter Gabriel because I've listened to two Genesis albums and I fucking love them. Um uh, Selling England by the Pound and Foxtrot. Amazing. Um, so I, going into this, unlike Stephen tends to be, I, I was um, very, very familiar with who Peter Gabriel is. I love his vocals. I love his, his lyrics from those records and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, now that that's out of the way, this album I thought was pr- pretty damn good. Uh, I I did expect to like it because I, I, in the amount that I have heard of this album, I, I have heard that people generally regard it pretty highly. Um, I think it might be on Rolling Stone's dumbass list or whatever. Um, it is. Uh, so, I mean, you know, so so yeah, and, and obviously it's a big cultural staple. It's one of those albums that I think had uh, enough hits where you could almost say the album is like a greatest hits compilation. Um, and, um, yeah, so uh, I guess um, the first thing I want to say about this record is that I definitely don't like this Peter Gabriel as much as the Genesis Peter Gabriel. Um, but compared to what Genesis turned into with Phil Collins, I definitely like this Peter Gabriel more than that Genesis. Um, so I guess that's kind of a good place for him to be in. Uh, I would also say that in pretty much, like I don't know if I see any similarities between this and the Genesis albums that I'd, listened to um like i don't i don't really recognize anything even peter gabriel's voice like he's obviously the same singer but the way he sings he sounds a lot older and more mature here than he does on those genesis albums that that i've heard anyway um which i found pretty interesting um i guess um and song wise you know the, the hit songs are obviously very good um you know, Red Rain is a very good song. Sledgehammer is a good song. Um, uh, and uh, we'll get to some of the other ones in a, in a little bit. I'll let you jump in because I kind of just talked a lot. So is there anything you want to comment on that I said? Yeah, I think I would just um, 
I, you mentioned about how this is almost like a greatest hits albums. Uh, five out of the eight tracks of this album go on, went on to be huge singles for Peter Gabriel. So it really is. I mean, if you listen to this album, you would, if anyone were to listen to the album, they would probably know the majority of the tracks coming off of this because they had become such staples and they're still played over and over again, especially things like In Your Eyes and Sledgehammer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and you mentioned that it was on the uh, it, it made quite a number of lists for some of the greatest albums, uh, pretty high ranking. Uh, the one thing I thought was interesting coming off of Wikipedia is that it was quite a uh, quite a big year, I guess, for the Grammys because this album lost out to Graceland, which is not as good, by the way. Which is not as good, by the way. I do not agree <laughs> with that pick after listening to this. They're, though they are kind of similar, they both take like some African, yeah, very similar and stuff. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about this album. Uh, so you mentioned the African influence. There's a lot of, I think, kind of world pop and, and art pop yeah. here. I, I think that, you know, you definitely get those 80s sensibilities for sure. But I think that he, they're not overblown. I think e- even listening to this album today. So, so I, I came from a similar place where listening to this album, I had only listened to the singles independently. But listening to them all together in one album, you really get that sense of um, interesting, I don't want to call it genre bending, but track to track, you get a lot of different sounds, Mm -hmm. Um, especially going from even right off the bat, going from Red Rain, which is kind of this slower, artier track to Sledgehammer, which is just like straight up pop track. Um, I I think it was an interesting... Uh, exploration of of sounds as he moved through and it's not a very long track listing there's only eight tracks here Uh, i think the album's only like 40 something minutes Um, but even within those 40 minutes you get a lot of different different sounds there's even i can't think of the name of the track but one of the tracks is actually very um uh, very instrumental i think it's one of the final tracks because what's interesting is like the whole side one is uh, is like Red Rain, Sledgehammer, Don't Give Up, that voice again. Uh, Red Rain, Sledgehammer, that voice again are played almost all the time. Don't Give Up's probably the only one that doesn't get as much of a play. And that one I think is a little less radio friendly. Um, yeah. Because it's that one's a little more uh, surreal, uh, kind of worldier. It's a slow um, burner for sure. Definitely slow burner. Um, so yeah, a lot of different, there are different sounds and, but like I mentioned, definitely you could feel that eighties characteristic. Yeah. And, um, I, I do want to point out, there's seems to be two track lists of this thing floating around. I very, very rarely won't just listen to whatever the original track list is, no matter how hard it is to do that, unless there's like a really good reason to. So here I listened to the original vinyl track listing, which was, um, excellent birds is not on it. Though I have heard Excellent Birds because it's also on Laurie Anderson's album, Mr. Heartbreak. Although I think the version's a little different, but it's the same basic song, I believe, or something. But anyway, I didn't hear that one. And the version that I heard ends on um, We Do What We're Told. And uh, I... I It's actually quite interesting because um, this is maybe one of the first times where I really experienced such a different... uh, placement of tracks depending on what version you listen to so like the original the one that you're talking about the the progression is red rain sledgehammer don't give up that voice again in your eyes mercy street big time we do what we're told 
But then in a lot of remasters, for whatever reason, they mix that up and put In Your Eyes as the last track. Yeah, and for some reason. Well, the reason they did that is because Excellent Birds was stuck on the vinyl, or not the vinyl, on the original CD releases, like last minute, essentially as a bonus track. So when it came to doing the reissues, a lot, most people who have heard so thought that song was on the album. But obviously it's not a good, at least what I've heard is it's not a good closer because it wasn't meant to be the closer. So instead, they left it on the album, but just switched up the ordering so that it wouldn't be the closer. I don't know why they made In Your Eyes the closer. I have no idea. But anyway, that's a version a lot of people are familiar with. But it seems very much to me that if you put We Do What We're Told at any other place in the track listing, it would just awkwardly break it up. Like, I feel like the only place I can even see that working is where it is stuck on this record. Um, so I find that a little odd. Uh, but but anyway, that's not a huge thing. Uh, you may have listened to the other version. It doesn't really seem to matter much. Um, I think, so I'll say right now, the two best songs here are Don't Give Up and, um, and In Your Eyes. Don't Give Up, Kate Bush is amazing on this song. I mean, I, um, she is fantastic. This is like one of the most comforting songs I've ever heard. It's so nice. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it is, it, it's exactly what it says it is from the offset, right? So you've got Peter Gabriel playing this very dejected, um, uh, depressed, um, he, he sort of views himself as a failure, right? That's how he sings. Well, sort of. I say sort of, but he does. That's literally what he says. Um, and Kate Bush plays the comforting whoever, you know, your family, your partner, I don't know, just somebody comforting you. So she'll fill out um, his lines with something. He'll say something dejected, and then she'll come in with something um, very comforting. I don't know. I thought it was a great dynamic. I thought it was great, and they work really well together. Um on this song. And then In Your Eyes is obviously great. I, I think that the, um, you can really hear the sort of this, this, this world music influence on this song, especially maybe more so than any others. Um, and just the transition from verse to chorus here is fantastic. Like, I love the way those, um, um, I assume they're stringed instruments, but, um, maybe you know what I'm talking about. They're very, very, um, inspiring that come in, um, to, into the pre-chorus and carry you into that, to that chorus there. Um, and I love the chant at the end of the song. It's great. It's so good. Um, but uh, then I will say, uh, what else do I want to, I want to say all the good stuff first. Um, and I, f- I found We Do What We Told interesting as the closer here. It's kind of Eno-esque. Like it reminds me of the stuff that ends off um, the Bowie Berlin trilogy albums, like Low and uh, Heroes and stuff. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of Brian Eno. I don't think Eno was involved. I didn't read his name anywhere, but it sounds like it's a lot like that. And I, I, I enjoyed this track a lot too. Uh, you know, on first listen, I thought it was like kind of awkwardly placed and it felt kind of out of place. But on uh, on further listens, I actually think it's pretty lifting and pretty pretty cool. Um, you know, not as good as a, a Brian Eno track, but um, I hear the influence anyway. So, uh, and that's all the good stuff i want to say oh i guess i'll also just comment on sledgehammer you know it's obviously the biggest song here i really i enjoy that it's like um the sexual innuendos on the song are so ridiculous they're kind of funny um i find that entertaining and i i i think the outro to this song is by far the best bit it uh i'm not crazy about this song to be honest but once you get to that like extended outro i think it really picks up and like the way the the drums kick in and everything just keeps going into high gear i think it's great um and yeah, that's all the positive stuff I want to say. So I'll throw it back to you before I give my negatives. 
Yeah, I don't know if I have too much to add to that. I think I mentioned before, I, I really like the way that this album opens, too. I think that Red Rain is a really great way to open this album. Um, it opens slow, but very purposefully slow, and it sets the tone of this album in a major way. I think, I think what's most interesting to me, actually, about this album is that most of these are not i don't feel super pop tracks until you get to sledgehammer and until you get to big time that voice again a little bit too but the most of the rest of them are, are very slow tracks um that build i think in an interesting way so so i um it's an intro I, I think that it's uh hearing those tracks on this album I think very smartly places this into, you know, gives it a, a little bit of a, a break between all those very slow, thoughtful, mindful tracks, uh, especially Big Time. Big Time is just straight up a pop track, like through and through. And they were huge for him and they still get played all the time today. Yeah, definitely. I think the album's paced well, too. And yeah, I agree for the pretty much the same reason. Um, yeah, and, and that's kind of where I was going with it. I think that this album is paced really beautifully, actually. And it's, like I said, it's only eight tracks. and But you never, I, I don't really feel, personally, I don't really feel like there's ever any downtime um, because of the way that the tracks are listed. Now, what's interesting is then the track listing gets mixed up. So I would be interesting to see what that, how that affects that pacing. Probably not too bad, but it's still... Uh, well, what I, version are you familiar with? So I listened to the same version that you did, okay, which yeah. is the original track listing. Okay. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, it, it seems like it was very much intended to be ordered that way, right? Like, I don't... Yeah. In Your Eyes as a Closer seems very weird, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe it works. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the, uh, my biggest... Uh, let's see. Negatives with the album, like, overall, what I, something I found interesting is I was really expecting to not like the production, because it's an 80s pop album. I despise popular production techniques of the 80s more than any other time period. Even, like, the overproduced 2000s rock music, I think I prefer to um, the sort of um, gated reverb-heavy uh, synthetic sounds of 80s pop. I just, I, I can't stand that shit. And, and, and I just wanted to say, I just want to say real quick, that's actually why I gave you this album, because I was interested to see what you would think. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, I don't think it has that problem. I really don't. I think the production of this thing is great until you get to big time. I, I, I don't like that song, man. That song sucks. That song is shit. And I hate that it's placed right before the end. Like, I, I guess there's no better way to put it, I guess. But I... Pacing wise, it makes sense, but I just like, man, you get eight songs, and I just like, I wonder if just a better song had been there instead of Big Time, because Big Time drags this album down a little bit for me. Um, I I don't know that, and it's not even just the production on that track, which I think is garbage, um, and and appallingly so too, because again, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Like even Sledgehammer sounds fantastic and doesn't have this problem, but. This song does. And on top of that, I just think that the whole, like, it, it's got this, like, you know, big shot. It's big time, you know, like, making it into fame and to stardom. It's a little hard to tell if it's meant to be satirical or not, but I don't really think it makes a difference. Like, either way, I find the lyrics here to be really s overly simplistic and stupid. Like, I, I hate that it relies on this, like, I'm making big time in the big church and the big this and the big that, and I'm moving away from the small this and the small that and the small... I just I just found it dumb. Um, and, um, 
that that's really where most of my criticism lies. It's just that one song. Thankfully, it's not one of the lengthier songs here. I don't think it like kills the album or anything. It, I, I can tolerate it. It's not a terrible song, but uh, I don't know. Do, do, you, do you like that track? Am I, am I off base here? Well, I do, but I like... Uh, I, I, I'm i 100% a fan of all the 80s pop and that oh, yeah. 80s sound, so... No, it's it's but far yeah, from the worst. Better. It's far from the worst thing I've ever I've ever heard. But um, it, it's just you know I, I I don't I don't enjoy it. Um, and I guess I guess the only other thing I can say is I I I I don't think that this is by any means a masterpiece. And like I said before, I think that what Peter Gabriel was doing with Genesis in the seventies is just way better. Um, I. But I, I appreciate what he did here. I think that for a for a pop album, this is this is very solid. Um, not even for a pop album; it's just a very solid album. I don't even know why I said that. Um, and I'm, I'm I I gotta say, I am definitely pleasantly surprised that a major pop album, like a really major pop album from the '80s, didn't turn me off. Uh, and I gotta give credit for that. And uh, I'm pretty much done. If you are too, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I guess I'll wrap up my thoughts. Um, yeah, like I said, I think that, you know, uh, this is a very solid record. I think if... I can totally understand why there are a lot of people who like it more than me. I think that's really cool. I get it. I, to- I really do. Even with Big Time, I totally get it. Um, I think this is a very well-structured album. I think the songs are well-written. Um, and I, uh, I think the production is great for on most of the tracks. Um, and there's a lot to really, really enjoy about it. But just personally, songs like Sledgehammer and, and Red Rain and that voice again are, are, are enjoyable. But I, I just, I don't think that they're great. Um, uh, you know, extra points for In Your Eyes and Don't Give Up, which I, I, uh, are fucking fantastic. Mercy Street, I didn't even mention, is really good. I, I enjoy the vast majority of the songs here. I think it's really good. And I'll go ahead and give it a... Very strong seven. A very strong seven. Because, um, again, I think this is really solid. I think Big Time drags it down a little bit. And, again, I, I'm not, like, amazed by it or anything. But very, very strong. And uh, would I recommend this? I would recommend this if you're into pop music, especially 80s pop. I think I think this album will blow your mind if that's the kind of stuff that you're, like, really, really into. Um, and... Um, yeah, so that's who I'll recommend it to, I guess. And also, you know, if you're a Peter Gabriel fan or you like Genesis, you've probably already heard this, I would assume. So, But if you haven't, then, you know, sure, go ahead, listen to it. Uh, honestly, just from the number of record-charting pop hits that came off this album, almost everyone's probably heard this, to be honest. Heard, like, half of it, yeah, good, yeah. Yeah, half or more. Uh, so I... Uh... I don't really know where my numbers come from most times, but I'm going to give it an 8.5. I want to be clear. This is one of my favorite 80s albums and pop albums coming out of the 80s. Easily, hands down. Um, But I give it an 8.5, and then I'll let the viewers figure out why. (laughs) Okay. Because I don't know why. Do you recommend it? I guess you do, I do recommend it. Yeah, I absolutely recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think its cultural status is enough recommendation. You don't really need us to tell you whether to listen to it or not, you know. Um, okay, so are we now the question on? is, Lewis, have you listened to any other Peter Gabriel oh. albums? No, I, I haven't. But um, Sinister Footwear was in here, and yeah, he did change his name on my server to make Lewis listen to Peter Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, I did this for you, bud. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, th- there's um, I know that Rate Your Music. 
Uh, the highest rated one there is Peter Gabriel 3, um, which I guess is also known as Melt. Um, so I, I'll probably check it out again. I want to finish up Genesis, Peter Gabriel Genesis stuff before I get to that. But um, yeah, I probably will. I mean, I can see that his solo career is worth listening to. So sure. Yeah. <laughs> before we move on, Paris Mento pointing out that in Steven's opinion, So is vastly superior to No Love Deep Web. It's true. <sighs> um, yeah, okay. So we'll, uh, we'll move on then? Yep. All right, so I recommended to Steven the album The College Dropout by Kanye West. This is Kanye West's debut album from going, uh, from, from, went from being just a producer to being a rapper. The album was a massive success. Um, I don't know where it charted to, but I know it did very well. Plenty of hit songs. And uh, obviously it boosted Kanye to his position that he's now, well, perhaps not all the way here, but it definitely got him started. It made him a name in hip hop. And I am curious what Steven thought of the album. So I had never heard of uh, Kanye West before. (laughs) Yeah, you were, uh, (laughs) you never watched television or ever listened to the radio or ever. Lewis, have you ever, I'm going to take a little bit of a a non sequitur here, Lewis, because it's one of my favorite things. And this is a mini recommendation to you. You know, the movie, the Disney movie, Wreck-It Ralph. I am familiar with it. Have you ever seen Kanye's interview where he compares himself to Vanellope Von Schweetz? <laughs> no, I actually haven't. Okay, you definitely need to, and right. everyone listening, you need to go and, and search that out because it's it's a treasure and a dream. Sure. Um, now, Lewis, I'm going to let you finish, but no, I didn't know where I was going with that, actually, but I know Kanye West did that to Taylor Swift one time. Yeah, Uh wow. What a guy. Uh, the voice of our generation, as he so proclaims. Um, so let's talk about this album, College Dropout. I, th- this album, to me, I just want to start by saying that the opening of this album is incredible. <laughs> from I would say from in- intro down to uh, like through the finish of All Falls Down, the amount of times I just listened to that little progression right there, uncountable. I I mean, really, this whole thing up and down, I'll just say it. I, I absolutely adore this album. I think that this is a fantastic. great break, just a fantastic breakout album for Kanye. Uh, pretty much every track on here, all the skits are super fun. Uh, the, the voice that he brings to the table on this and... Um, just the the message that he gets out through this album i think is is really really great and i speaking of messages we'll get there but i i I really really like his story that he tells as the last part of last call i just think that's such a, a cool interesting thing to hear from from kanye um and as another fun little side game for anyone listening count the number of times i've said interesting in this episode <laughs> And take a shot. You probably just take not. a shot. Just take a shot. Just just, just one. One shot. Just one. Just yeah. take one. Anyway, not because of that. <laughs> um, okay. 
so back to the album. First, I want to say, because I like bringing up Wikipedia as we're talking through these, I just want to say that the Phoenix New Times, a paper that we're both very familiar with, uh, because we wrote for it, remember? <laughs> no, we didn't actually do that. Uh, but they named it the second best rap album of the decade. Ooh. So thank you, Wikipedia, for letting us know that. That's a g- genuinely a fair opinion to have. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this. <clears throat> so I'm not going to I'm going to talk about this one in a vacuum because I've uh, I've heard a lot of Kanye and a lot of Kanye albums. But um, just talking about it on its own merits. I uh, So, like I said, I, I really, really like the opening of this album, that first little skit into We Don't Care. And then the second little skit into All Falls Down, I just think is a really awesome progression. Uh, Kanye has this this flow which i think is great um his production is just absolutely incredible on this album and the way i i don't even know how he finds the samples that he finds because the samples that he takes for these albums are just awesome and i mean there i i've seen a couple videos this is um throughout his career but a couple videos of some of the just crazy things that he does to sample some of these things and they become probably even better known than the sample itself but like speeding up and pitch shifting um just the way that he blends those into his own flow into the into the beats and the tracks it's just awesome to hear he's he had been doing it long before this too i mean for for big names as well and then some of those big names even show up onto the album uh specifically he has a incredibly great working relationship with jay-z they've been they had been working together for a long time even before this Uh, but the way that he utilizes soul and r&b and gospel and um and small choirs and the way that he infuses them so well into his own sound and he creates something new i think is is just awesome and he's been doing it for so long and it's um it's really cool to see that he does it here and it really charts a direction for his whole career And it happens right off the bat. So you have We Don't Care and you have All Falls Down, which, by the way, uh, Selena Johnson on All Falls Down, awesome voice. And I think that there's a version of All Falls Down out there that has Macy Gray instead of Selena Johnson. That might have been a live album or something. But either way, um, just all the features on here, I will say, just in general, every feature on here is really great. I like the one... Um, and I'm trying to remember what song it is and who's on the feature, but where he uh, basically asked the feature to come in so he can use them to get laid. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about on slow jams when he gets twisted. The slow jams. Yeah. yeah, yeah, when he gets twisted. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. a and great moment. Oh, that's <laughs> such a hilarious moment. Um, but I, so I have a, I have a problem with features. This is another non sequitur I want to take real quick because sure. a lot of times I feel like features on tracks have nothing to do with the track. It's just like, okay, somebody came into the recording studio, spat a verse, and it's just like, okay, cool. And it has, and it like, there's no connection here. But the way that he, I mean, and, and you know it's him too, because he has just this production mindset. The way that he brings these people in onto his features and incorporates them so well and integrates them so well on all of the tracks that he has them on, I think that's 
I think that he has some of the best features out there every time that he has some. Now, he doesn't feature well. Anytime he's a feature, <laughs> it sounds absolutely atrocious. Yeah, but the features that he brings on to his albums are just so great. Yeah, and I... And you hear this later on in his career. Like, if you listen to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, the way he uses features on that is he uses them like they're instruments. Like, he takes somebody and has them give a very short snippet, but it doesn't even matter how big of a name they are. He'll just have them say something and use it in the song because he knows it can enhance the song. Um, now, back in these days, that's not the way he used features. They really are just additional verses. But, yeah, the, the, the guest verses are great. Some of them are very memorable, which is crazy. Um and yeah, I think one of the most interesting things about this album to me, since we're saying the word interesting a lot, is that um, I, you, I mean, think about the way Kanye presents himself on albums today. Or let's not say today. Let's say like 2010 through like Life of Pablo, right? It's like 2010 to like 2010 through like you know 2016. Um, like so, my beautiful horse is the fantasy. Jesus, life of Pablo, um, and uh, probably watch the throne. Although I haven't listened to it. Um, Kanye, Kanye, like he he he's so unlikable. <laughs> like on these albums, and the thing is, on 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 Dark Souls of Fantasy, that is entirely the point, and I I get that and I appreciate that. But still, it's really neat to hear these early records like this and late registration. Yeah, this in late registration, where Kanye is, he's like, he's funny, and he's like, he's really, really upbeat and likable and entertaining, and I feel like he's getting back to that nowadays, but there was a lengthy period of time where that was not the way he presented himself on these records, and it, you know, it's not that Kanye got more arrogant or anything, I was watching interviews around the time this came out, he was pretty damn similar to how he acts now, like, all the time, um, I mean, I, f I don't feel like he's really changed much in that regard. Um, yeah, and the question is, people have always asked, because it's like to a disturbing degree, and people have always asked, is he putting on a show? Yeah. Is it all for, is it all stage? And I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I don't <laughs> I think, you know, it's funny though. I've come, insane. I've, I've come to like the guy. Like I like and it's not because he met with Trump. That that certainly didn't help. But <laughs> Or how but, he said slavery was a choice. Yeah, no, it definitely did not help. Don't don't get me wrong. But I I just enjoy especially watching these old interviews. Like I just enjoy watching him like he just he doesn't give a shit. Like there's this sort of interview etiquette. I I, I want to talk about the album, so I'll try to be quick. There's this sort of interview etiquette where you have to not talk about. You have to present yourself like you're this really humble person, you know. And a lot of it's bullshit. I mean, let's be real. A lot of the interview etiquette is bullshit. And Kanye just disregards it. He just, he doesn't care. And part of me thinks that's kind of awesome. But it's like really just in general, there's a there's a social etiquette that. You don't yeah. even have to be famous to really apply for, but telling everyone to stand up in your in your show and then not refusing to reform because someone who was handicapped didn't stand up is not the correct social etiquette right. in the U.S. Right, or, or, or very famously, um, um, you're, you're obviously picking some of the worst examples, and of course he's done shitty douchebaggy things, with, without a doubt. But, um, but um, you know, are you, the, the, the one time around... Sort of around this time when he went on a TV and said George Bush does not care about black people. You know, it's like he he'll, he'll he makes statements, some of which are good statements, other of which are total dog shit. He just doesn't care. He just throws them out there anyway. And it's like I I don't I don't know. It's like it's interesting that on this it's like 
I, I think one of the reasons why I've come to like him is because his personality on these early albums seems actually kind of in line with that. Like, um, not in that you think he's a douchebag or anything like that, but he just... I don't know. He's got this sort of sense of humor about himself in this record. No, for real. I mean, even and we're just, we're talking about the beginning of this track of this album, right? Even that intro into <laughs> "We Don't Care." I mean, that is it's so hilarious. Kanye to me. Yeah, no, it's, like that it's is something hilarious. that Kanye would probably actually in real life do without question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, I, I, I mean, what's also interesting about this first album is he does show some humility. And he's in a way, in his own way, kind of humble as you get to that story that he tells in Last Call. Mm -hmm. Now, he still kind of feels like I'm Kanye and I'm larger than life at certain points, even in the most humble portions of that story. But you get this sense of um, his his rise. You get a different perspective on Kanye. And as this is his first album and a lot of the a lot of the notes and a lot of the 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 themes that come out of this album are, um, you, you know, obviously college and education and what that means, but also this kind of rise to like this kind of making it right. And I mean, that to me shows Kanye, like Kanye's all out there on this album. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, now, he's be, now he feels now I think he just thinks he's larger than life as he calls himself Yeezus. It's it's uh, but it, it's like is it all a show? I but it's, still don't it's, know. It's, it's funny though because it's like so I do believe that arrogance can be earned. I don't think it's ever good necessarily, but it can be earned. Kanye has not earned the privilege to say incredibly dumb shit to the literal president um, and to just say really damaging and negative things, which he he did do this year. Um, but he sir, I. I I don't blame this guy for being as arrogant as he is sometimes. Like, as long as he's in a total douchebag and hurting other people with it. But, like, God, do you hear the production on this album? And on, on every single album. Not, okay, sorry, not every single album. But most of it. <laughs> yeah, mo most of his albums. Like, holy shit. The production on Late Registration is out of this goddamn world. Um, graduation's aged poorly, I think, but for the time, even that's got some really, really interesting stuff going on. My Beautiful Dark Sisters Fantasy is incredible sounding. And like, um, and, and now with Kids See Ghosts, it's like the same thing. It's like, God. And on this record, I, I like, I, I like the production of this album more than any of those. Sure, you can say Late Registration is more polished and more regal. You could definitely say that for My Beautiful Dark Souls of Fantasy as well. But I love, have you noticed the songs in this album? They have this like grainy texture to them, like in the, in the, um, in the production. It sounds, I don't want to say cheap, but I also don't think it sounds expensive. It's got a, God, what's the word I could use to describe this? You may understand what I'm trying to say, though. Like, almost as though it, you're listening to it on, like, a record player or something. You can hear the, a texture. You can hear a, a certain graininess to these beats. Like, like they sound like they're... They sound like they're homemade, uh, in a way. They, they just... They've got such a lively... Um, human quality to them that other albums from his kind of lack. And I adore it. I think there is so much charm in every single beat on this album. The, the Chipmunk Soul samples, man, I cannot get enough of them. Like, god damn. I... And I'm even talking about... I mean, so I, I talked about his personality, which is amazing, and that matched with these, with these instrumentals. So much charm. Like, it's just... You listen to this album, and it's so funny and entertaining. And, and sometimes... And I don't want to give the impression that it's, that it's all just this funny, sort of non-serious like, non sort of thing. It gets really, really heartwarming. And um, on this album, like on tracks like Family Business, 
Um, you know, and, and, and tracks like, uh, he, he addresses racism on a few tracks here, like on um, uh, Never Let You Down, you know, and it's like, and the way that these topics are handled are really good as well, and it doesn't feel like it's, ta- it never quite feels like it's taking itself too seriously, but it understands the seriousness of the topics that it deals with. Um, I, I just, I love the amount of variation you get topically here. I adore the, 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 the theme of how pointless Kanye views college is. And he turned out to be right, right? Like, at least for himself, he dropped out of college and look where it got him. Like, holy shit. <laughs> the guy is like, you know, the guy's ubiquitous. Um, and he, he has a, such a dismissive attitude. The skits on here are hilarious they add so much to the album and how many albums can you honestly say that for you know like i have the vinyl version of this record it takes off the skits and you lose so much like they are so essential to the flow to the themes like the way the school spirit skits interplay with school spirit where i'm not sure who's delivering the skits but he he just talks about how like you're going to get a degree and then you're going to become the secretary's secretary it's like god it's great i ugh. yeah it's really funny and i want to go back to the to the arrogant point and how he earned it i mean i really think he changed the game truly i mean coming at, so he calls himself the voice of the generation and i don't know about that but he definitely changed the face of hip-hop oh he did it multiple times too and he did it yeah, in multiple like, occasions I... in different directions and um yeah it's just and you can see it from from this first album i mean so much of this first album is just incredible the beats the the rhymes the features the skits i mean we talked about all these things and they're all they're all really great yeah, um, some individual songs I think we, we should be calling out here. Yeah, you mentioned um, All Falls Down, which is an amazing song. Uh, it's at least in my top five Kanye songs, like top, like period. Um, and and uh, I know it was a, a single too. It's easy to, to find. Um, Jesus Walks. Jesus Walks. Holy shit, man. That is, God, that is such an incredible song. That is. Man, you know. You know what really put it in perspective to me was I like in the part where he's telling that story in Last Call and he talks about how he played freaking Jesus Walks for a studio and they turned him down. Yeah, and, and it's like even down. at that time, Kanye knew. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, and he and that's the thing, like I think he deserves that 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 hunger that you hear about yeah, in the summer. So. It's like, listen now, good of a song that is. Like, what is he just gonna lie and say he didn't make like one of the best hip hop songs of all time? Like, no, like he did. Um, and yeah, that's an incredible song. I mean, I, 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 I obviously I, I'm not, I'm not religious, so I don't agree with the lyrics or anything, but I find it, I just think it's a really cool topic. He's a, he's, and the song did get radio plays. He's addressing how, you know, you can talk about anything in hip hop. You can talk about terrible shit, but the second you start talking about religion or Jesus, you don't get played. That's the message of the song. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I adore it. It's amazing. Um, I think, um. God, what else? God, there's just so much. New workout plan. I fucking adore, man. That is that is a hilarious song. Once again, where there's so much personality and just like humor on this album. The way the first skit plays into this is funny too. Um, I I I. Oh God, it's so good. Well, uh, Slow jams is amazing. Slow jams is so good. And 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 in a way, it's like a um. It's almost like the album's mission statement in a way, considering they're singing about or they're or they're rapping about you know. Uh, well, sex. But part of the point of the song is that um, this like appreciation for R and B and soul, which, yeah, I mean, 
all the samples here, maybe not literally all of them, but the vast majority of them, especially the chipmunk ones, are lifted from R&B and soul songs. That's where a ton of this album gets its inspiration. Um, and you mentioned the, the segment where she tells him to go faster in reference to his rapping, but of course... It's a sex innuendo. Um, and he gets twisted to get on the track, who then starts rapping, like, extremely fast. Fucking brilliant. Um, well, God, what else? Um, uh, what else do I want to call it? Oh, yeah. the Okay. The final four-track stretch on this album is god-tier. It is god-tier. You've got... Um, You've got Through the Wire, where Kanye literally raps through a dental wire like he had dental surgery, and he has a he has wires in his mouth, and he's rapping, and you can, like, hear he can't quite say his words quite right. He can't quite enunciate quite right. Like, who else? Like, that's the amount of personality it takes to make a song like this, and it's not stupid. Like, oh, God. Um... Uh, uh, two words is incredible. It's probably the most rock influenced song here, I would say, and it is it is heavenly. It is heavenly. I, I I'm gushing. I'm sorry, but I love this fucking album. <laughs> Family business is like it's so touching. Right, that's like right towards the end of this album. I think he gives his most, his two most touching performances with that song, and then following into Last Call, which is this 12 minute. Um, or 11 minute or something song. And this is a long ass album to finish it off like that, man. That's really something. But like the, 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 the rap stretch of the song is fantastic. The beat is incredible. Once again, I love it. And it's like, it's a, it's the kind of beat that I could just live and die in. Like this thing could have gone on for 40 minutes and I think I still would have been enjoying it. But he, after this, after this brief rap section, you talked about this story where he tells the story of him coming up and he says all these, it's just like, you'll never, I don't think you'll, you're never going to hear this from Kanye again because... Um, Kanye, um, you know, Kanye's already made it, but like in this album, he wasn't really sure if he was going to make it or not. And it's just listening to this story is so interesting. It's so, and it is kind of touching, you know, to hear this humble beginnings of somebody who we now know is just, again, he's ubiquitous in the world of hip hop and pop culture. And, you know, maybe most people who don't listen to his music anyway, hate him and think he sucks, but it's like, this guy changed the fucking game so many times. And it's like, to hear this story, it's just, there's something so endearing about it. And, uh, again, and that coupled with the beat that is just so incredible and keeps going and, and he, 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 in, he brings different samples in at different times and even keeps the music interesting. I, I, I just, I, I just raved this whole time, but as you can tell, like this record, it's definitely Kanye's best, in my opinion anyway. Um, and yeah, I adore it. I, I don't know if there's any songs I didn't mention that you want to mention. <coughs> Yeah, I mean, so many of these tracks. We could talk about all of them. Yeah. You know, like Spaceship, I like Get Them High, I like Breathe In, Breathe Out. Some of the lesser-known tracks on this album are really great. You already mentioned the skits. I think the skits are hilarious, especially the workout plan one okay. and the School Spirit one. School Spirit 2 into Lil' Jimmy is like the funniest shit. Yeah, like, really good. Like it, it, just, it, it, it just ends, and then, Whoa, where are you going, Lil' Jimmy? My dad died. <laughs> God, amazing! <laughs> that should have me in tears the first time I heard it. I, I want to say I've and I'm I, I've listened to comedy albums and shit. I've never laughed so hard in an album. When I first listened to this thing, I was like, some of this shit was like actually cracking me up. Um, which is such an accomplishment. That's such an achievement. Yeah. No, I 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Okay, I think I think we've gushed about this yeah, one enough. I, I so. think so. I think so. You ready to wrap it up? Yeah. Okay, so I don't think it's going to come as any surprise. I absolutely adore this album. I really enjoy so many of Kanye's work and so many of his albums. Um, I give this one a 10. Uh, I think that this is one of uh, the best of his stuff. I think personally, I think Kanye's best album is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But um, I would probably give that one a 10 as well. Do I recommend this? Absolutely. I think if you're a fan of hip hop at all, first of all, you probably have already listened to this album. But if not, you definitely should. Um, and then listen to much more of Kanye after that, too. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. That, if, you haven't, if you're a hip hop fan and you haven't gotten around to Kanye, it's probably time to, to hurry that up. Um, yes. Uh, my... My, my score for this album is a 9.5. I know you might have thought I'd give a 10 just because I was gushing about it so much. And I kind of wish I could, but uh, Breathe In, Breathe Out is not amazing. There, there are some moments that are like maybe a tad underwhelming on this, um, uh, but only a tad. Like personality-wise, flow-wise, like, man, I could listen to this thing on repeat. It's so entertaining. Like that's the word I want to use for it. You know, you could call so many albums so many things, but like this is pure entertainment. And it, that's not to say that it doesn't address serious topics. It doesn't have a serious point to make, especially about about education and racism um, and, and, and things like that. It absolutely does. But God damn, all of it is just so fun. It's fun. It is. It, the production is out of this world good. It still holds up today. And in fact, the ways in which it doesn't hold up today to me, make it even better. Like that that grainy quality that you probably wouldn't have noticed when it came out, but like the kind of thing that he honed on later releases made them sound even more clean. And like, I think it took away a little bit from the charm. So even the even what you could call a flaw in the production here, to me, is only a benefit. Like, I, front to back, flow of this thing is fantastic. Uh, the lyrics are great. Kanye, I, I've never enjoyed him more on a project. And, um, you know... There, he has other albums in his discography that are definitely worth hearing as well. Late Registration is uh, similar to this in a lot of ways. It doesn't flow nearly as well, which is probably my main problem with it. Um, and uh, My Beautiful Dark Chest and Fantasy is obviously very important to this decade. I, it's not an album that I like as much as other people do. I think Kanye comes off as really dumb on a lot of that record, and I have other problems here or there. But that one, too, it's like, God, I, I think um, I'm not exactly a Kanye West fan, but I am absolutely a fan of this album. This album is excellent, and of course I recommend it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say. So are we ready to go to the recommendations? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Steven, you go ahead and go first. Okay, oh, so we... Right, you, you got it, you got we it. We are going to do um, a theme rec for next episode, an intentional theme rec for next episode. We are going back to our... As Lewis called it, what happened, as I called it, new year, new me, just in time for 2019. So the way that this rec is going to work is we're going to recommend at least two things. One, where we feel like the artist or the series what was received incredibly well, and one where we felt like they might have gone downhill. So, and so, in either order. Yeah, so it could be uphill or downhill. And we want to answer the question of what happened. We already did this, so if you want to see what this kind of thing works like, you can go back and watch, I believe it was episode 5, 
And to be clear, we are going to answer the question. We know the answer. Yes, the defi- it's not even our opinion. It is the objective truth it is of fact, what happened. Objective fact of what happened that we are going to give to you. We are going to release the curtain, unveil the secrets of what happened. Yep. So with that being said, Lewis, I am going to go downhill. Although you can watch it in either order. But I'm going to go downhill. Starting with 2003's Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And then you could make an argument that the series never really got any better, but I'll go with then Pirates of the Caribbean's At World's End. Okay. And then, Stephen, I'm going to recommend to you what happened to Arcade Fire. And... I once again I will argue that they went downhill. So I actually have two albums to recommend to you for the um, when I think that they were a great band. Those albums are Funeral and The Suburbs. And then I want to recommend to you 2017's Everything Now for when they went downhill. Funeral was released in 2004. And The Suburbs was released in 2010. And The Suburbs actually won a Grammy for Album of the Year. One of the most surprising and perhaps well-deserved Album of the Year Grammy nods that have ever really happened. Um, I guess a little bit of background. And you, you probably are already familiar with the band. But they're very influential and important indie rock band from the 2000s. Um, who, uh, yeah, went from indie rock to disco and dance music. So have fun with that. And I think with that said, I think we're done here. Um, yeah. So get everybody look forward to New Year, New Me, What Happened, to Pirates of the Caribbean and Arcade Fire. Something I want to say, Stephen, by the way, is I, I, I think we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean not too long ago and I think part of me figured this is exactly what you were going to do and I want to say I am very upset that I'm going to have to watch Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End again that is that is just not because, a good thing because I know how much you enjoy it and you just can't you can't get enough oh no so having to watch it again you're just going <laughs> to the enthusiasm you can't take it I understand <sighs> But uh, it's okay. Good old Jerry Bruck. Do we have anything that we want to say uh, while we're uh, out here? I guess I'll look over the comments, uh, but if you have anything to say, go ahead and say it now. No, just want to, again, thank everyone for tuning in to our little podcast. We're on episode 24, going into episode 25, going into a brand new year. Um, It's crazy to even think that I think we've been doing this now for a year. Over. Over a year. Over. Yeah, we so, started in November 2017, which is I can't even believe it. Yeah, that's crazy. And we have, uh, you know, I I appreciate any anyone and everyone who listens to to this thing. Um, uh, the we know that you've all been good boys and girls this year, and Honda Santa pro- probably brought you really great presents. Yeah, but not um, us apparently. Probably a Honda. He brought you, which is good. That's a new car for you. Now, you do have to pay taxes. I want to be clear. You will have <laughs> we, to get insurance. We do not promote tax evasion on this podcast. Yeah. 
We, no. In fact, I would go so far as to say that Get Wrecked Podcast takes a stand against tax evasion. Um, yeah, I uh, I want to I want to mention here before we go that I do want to respond to some comments because we weren't doing that. Hurley the whole time was talking about how overrated he thinks college dropout is, and uh, to that I just have to say no. And um, also, I think he's doing that because uh, he learned that the word overrated fucking pisses me off i have grown to really hate that word and notice i didn't use it even though um given my score of so compared to other critics ideas of so i could technically call it overrated i didn't do it because it's gaslighting so anyway um hurley's wrong about college dropout i guess but hey you know that's fine and um anyway that's all i think i really need to respond to here so uh, i guess that's it Okay, well, with that, those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations. Get wrecked.